Welcome and thank you for joining us on Inside Bend, a podcast where you'll get an inside look at the city of Bend from the people who keep our city running. You'll hear about the innovative ways our local government is responding to our community's needs and helping shape Bend's future. I'm your host, Jacob Larson. On this month's episode of Inside Bend, we're joined by two guests as we cover the development of the Camping Code. The Bend City Council is developing new Bend Municipal Code language to regulate unsanctioned camping on city rights of way, such as streets, sidewalks, and landscape strips. The Bend Municipal Code currently does not ban camping on public property or rights of way, and City Council is discussing how to regulate camping on city rights of way. On today's episode, our first guest will be City Councilor Megan Perkins as we get the view from the Council's perspective on the development of this code and the reasoning behind its development. Then you'll hear from Assistant City Attorney Ian Lighthizer to get a better understanding of the legal perspective and what can and cannot be done when developing this type of code. Okay, let's get started with Councillor Perkins. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you. Um, We're talking about the camping code and kind of um, where we are in that process of developing this code. Um, So I guess maybe take a step back, though, to start. What has kind of led us to this point to um, develop this code and the need and the want by city council to develop this code? Sure. I I think the first and most important piece of this is that this is one piece of a much larger plan for our community. Uh, in the past couple of years alone, uh, we've, you know, instituted a safe parking program, uh, shelter code amendments, which are a set of standards of sort of how and where, uh, shelters can be developed in our community and not to mention opening up a year round emergency shelter and a navigation center and purchasing two hotels for a houseless community. So we're, also hearing from law enforcement and from service providers and from local businesses and all residents of Bend that we really need to create some certainty around the process of unsanctioned camping. We have legal restrictions and ethical restrictions, uh, but we can work with the how and the where and the when people camp in our community. And that's why we're doing that now. Why are we doing this now? You know, why is there a need to develop this code and push forward with this now? Sure. I mean, I think first uh, it's a logical next step after we did the shelter code amendments. And secondly, the you know administrative right of way policy that we currently have, it's it's complicated and the process takes a long time to happen when we do identify an unsafe or an unsanctioned camp. In that time period, there many safety concerns could take place, whereas with a camping code, everyone knows the rules. How is the process um, going to work then as far as developing this code? We're kind of in the middle of it right now, so how, how is it going to continue? Sure. I want to say how difficult this process has been for all of us counselors and I think for city staff as well. We are working towards a community that that has uh, not a shelter problem in our community, but we aren't there yet. And deciding the where and the when and the how human beings with no homes can camp is not something that we take lightly. Um, we are currently going through the when and the where and the how, um, and also with, with RVs and vehicles and council to provide direction to our city attorneys. And then we are also uh, in the process of doing two open houses with counselors, staff, and the police chief where people can ask questions. 
and we have we'll have two of those and then once we have a draft code to react to we will have two roundtable meetings and this is a new tool for the council and allows us to interact more with the public and then we will also have a public hearing when people can can com uh, comment for the record on this process. So lots of opportunities. Lots for of opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's something you would encourage too, because absolutely, it's kind of collaborative. This is a this is a community. This is a community thing. This is not something that is just the city of Bend. Why did council decide to take this approach to developing the code? Because it is a little different yeah. than how we've developed codes yeah. in the past. I think it's uh, you know we want to make sure that we first of all, are sort of talking to the public about what we can and can't do because it's really complicated from sort of a legal perspective. Uh, there are a lot of state and legal restrictions on unsanctioned camping. And we also want to make sure that we have time to answer questions you know, that we can't do in a normal council meeting. Um, there are a lot of questions from people in our community. And you know, we also want to be thorough and take the time to do this right, which is why we're having so many different opportunities, so many different meetings. What kind of are some of those opportunities then to kind of interact with you and council and, and provide that feed feedback and have those conversations? Is that that round table? Is that what that's really for? Uh, the round tables are for that, yes. And then we have um, the option always of emailing council all at bendoregon.gov. We uh, have the opportunity to comment at every council meeting that we have between you know now and and when we we are actually in a public hearing, we have the public hearing um, where you can also testify and stay tuned for you know a date on that. And um, one thing that I would suggest that people do because it's so complicated is go to bendoregon.gov/houselessness and then click on the little button for the unsanctioned camping code because there are tons of resources there and even copies of sort of the presentations that have been given. And if you really want to know more about sort of how the process is going, I would suggest really going there as well. And I would like to just put out my phone number for anyone who is interested in talking to, to me or someone from council about this. It is 541-749-7619. And I would be happy to speak to you. I think what we hear a lot from the community is that oh yeah, we come and we we talk to council, but our, our feedback is not heard. I mean, what, what are your thoughts when you hear that? What do you sure. say to people who say that? I mean, I, I get it, right? I think it probably seems, it's not it's not normal to, to go in front of a body, mm -hmm. speak for a couple of minutes, and then no one is allowed to say anything back. That's just not normally how people communicate. So yeah, that is a different, uh, that is that is hard for, um, you know, for, for the public to really feel like they're being listened to. That's why these open houses are so great. That's why the round tables are so great. Um, but I assure you that speaking for myself, and I'm sure speaking for council, that we read all of the emails. Um, we are doing this to address an urgent need that that we feel is in our community right now because of all the communications we've gotten from the public. And do you feel like, this is something that wouldn't be possible without that feedback. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a lot of the times, even now with a lot of these camps that are sort of arising around the community, you know, we're not driving in circles around the community every day. We don't know what's going on. And so we really rely on people letting us know when things are um, getting to a point where they feel that they're unsafe. Um, we've also heard that, you know, from the community that it seems like this is moving fast. This is moving quickly. Um, why? I mean, and it is yeah, moving at a pretty fast pace. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Was that a conscious decision to move forward with this quickly? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I want to say that that 
we are moving quickly and we have a timeline, but we aren't tied to this timeline. You know, if we need to have more discussion, if we need to have a, a million special meetings, we will do that. We want to do this right. Uh, because what is the point of doing something if you're not going to do it right? Um, and secondly, you know, again, we are hearing that this is an urgent safety you know, concern in our community, not just for the people, um, the businesses and the, and the neighborhoods, but also for the people that are living within the camps, too. And so we want to make sure that we address it as quickly as possible. This is not a unique problem to the city of Bend. It's it's um, a problem that our country is facing as a as a whole. Um, so what kind of other jurisdictions are you looking at um, for guidance? Because some other places have had similar codes mm -hmm. put into place. Yeah, our our city staff has done an, an amazing amount of research looking at peer cities in Oregon and other states that have been impacted by this Boise decision, uh, because I think that's important, because something that's happening in Boston right now is does not really apply to sort of the legal restrictions that we have here. Um, the League of Oregon Cities has also developed an, an incredible list of sort of resources um, and tools for cities as well. But I just want to stress that we can't do this in a vacuum and we need our partners at the county with the coordinated office with the parks department and with schools to really come together on this because this is something that affects us all in bend and we can't just depend on one entity to do this work for the whole community and so we need to work together and i hope to see these other entities at our roundtables. Thank you to Councillor Perkins for taking the time to be our guest on the podcast. Now, to continue this conversation, we turn to Assistant City Attorney Ian Lighthizer to better understand what's legally allowed when developing the camping code. Ian, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time to chat today. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Um, so we're going to continue to talk about the camping code. Um, and I, I wanted to get your perspective from a, a legal perspective, just kind of to learn what we can and can't do as a as a city when it comes to um, developing this code and then also enforcing this code. Um, so first question, though, for you is what is kind of the process for developing a code like this? Sure. Uh, so there's a, a basic process that applies to how a city adopts amendments to its municipal code. And that's that's what we are talking about doing here. Um, that process doesn't require that much. It requires an ordinance. It requires two readings of that ordinance. And then unless it's considered an emergency situation, the the ordinance, that is the change in the code, the new law, is effective 30 days after the second reading. So that is a pretty basic process. With this, considering the impact and the interest in these issues, we have created what I would call some supplemental or extra process that uh, involves uh, informational sessions in September, roundtable meetings of the city council in October, and probably some additional opportunities for public input at council meetings in October or November. And so that's a tentative schedule and it could shift depending on what comes up. So why now? Why why develop this type of code now here in the city of Bend? A, a couple of reasons. One is that we don't have one. We don't have provisions in our code that regulate use of public places and public right of way in the comprehensive way that cities are now required to do, especially cities in the Ninth Circuit, which is not just Oregon, Washington, California, it includes Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Arizona, Alaska, 
and Hawaii, the Ninth Circuit have some particular issues to address and some particular things to be aware of and how they regulate this. So in Ben's case, we haven't had a system in our code of regulating it. And in Oregon, we have some recent state legislation that is intended to effectively codify in state statute the holding from some of these cases and the principles. So that's why we're doing it. The law has changed uh, and required us to, to be, we're required to be up to date with the law and we, we don't have anything in the first place. Um, it also comes in the context, I'd say a larger context of things that the city has been doing with regard to providing capacity for homeless people in our community. The number of people experiencing homelessness has only increased. There is data, or excuse me, there are data supporting that. And I think it's something anecdotally that, that people observe. So the city has made investments in increasing capacity through um, investments in shelter facilities. We have amended our development code to make it more feasible for parties who want to to establish legally permitted homeless shelters in various ways in various places in the city so this this piece of it creating a system where we regulate these public spaces where we regulate this activity um, camping people living in our public spaces is is a part of this larger process and i don't mean to say it's a small part but um, it's just kind of one one slice of the pie chart of how the city is investing time and attention in addressing the situation. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's what we hear um, from a lot of other staff members as well as council members, that this is just a piece of the puzzle to help um, solve this problem and this crisis that we're dealing with. Correct. Yeah, and I, I want to be clear that the camping code is not intended or designed to solve homelessness, but it's yep. intended it's intended to get a handle and create standards on how people are living outside in public places. Because right now we don't, we don't really have standards that let people know when, where, and how that's acceptable um, and can be done, and and when, where, and how it isn't. So part of part of the motivation, I think, for doing this is to establish a baseline, establish some expectations that that everybody knows. People who are experiencing homelessness need to know what's okay. Um, other members of the community need to know what's okay too. And not everybody I think is going to be, not everybody is happy with the concept of having rules or restrictions and not everybody is happy. And some people aren't happy with the concept of allowing uh, homeless people to camp in public places at all. But the fact is, is that we do need to allow some of it. Um, it's also true that we do not need to allow it to be entirely unregulated. Right, right. And you talk about establishing kind of that that baseline for this um, and, and coming up with this code. And earlier you mentioned that Ninth Circuit, which kind of covers a large swath of Western states and Alaska and Hawaii. So um, what I guess what kind of other jurisdictions then are you looking at to develop this code? Because obviously there's been some court rulings um, that affect what we can and can't do here in the city of Bend. I sort of see it as a couple of layers. The the first one are the first layer I think would consist of cities in states that are in the Ninth Circuit. So we're we're looking at uh, cities and states in the Ninth Circuit, but I think more specifically there are some additional Oregon specific factors because the state legislature passed uh, a bill, House Bill three one one five. It goes into effect, or the requirements of the bill go into effect, I think in, I want to say July of 2023. 
and and the intention there was purportedly simply to codify the holding, especially from the Martin v. Boise case, the Ninth Circuit case that everyone talks about. And and one thing that that legislation does is it requires that cities that adopt time, place, and manner regulations on how camping in public can happen requires the cities to adopt regulations that are objectively reasonable with regard to people experiencing homelessness. So again, it reflects this balancing of regulating how public space can be used. You are allowed to regulate it. Um, there are really good reasons to have some standards for how it can be used, but you can't do it in a way that a court eventually might say is not reasonable um, for people experiencing homelessness. So you have to you have to take all of that into account as you move through this project, which we are trying to do. What kind of are the the requirements or limitations of creating a code like this that we're we're dealing with? Well, there are a couple. I mean, the first one is something we've we've talked about at length, and that's the the main principle from the Martin v. Boise case. And and what that case did was, in some ways, not something particularly new or novel in that there there is a line of cases dealing with, let's say, various human activities or statuses of humans. And those, those that line of cases says, and, and it was continued and, and maybe culminated with the Boise case, that the Eighth Amendment, which people think of as prohibiting cruel and an unusual punishment, that's the thumbnail sketch of what the Eighth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution says, what these cases do is they effectively say that that principle from the Eighth Amendment means that you, you're a city, you're a state, you're a county, you're a federal government, you're some governmental body, you can't punish somebody for their status. And the, the cases say that homelessness is or can be a status. So cities, counties, states, et cetera, that have uh, regulations or um, ordinances or code provisions that, for example, might say you cannot camp in any public place, no public streets, no public places in our city, period, end of story. The cases and the courts have said, well, that doesn't always work because there are people who are homeless, they're experiencing homelessness, they don't have shelter, and they and they need to sleep. All humans need to sleep. And there are people who do not have a choice to do that anywhere other than public property. So you can't punish them because this is something that people have to do to survive. So you need to figure something out. And what the courts have said is you can put some rules and restrictions around it. But if you have a blanket ban um, that um, effectively punishes people by allowing you to give somebody a ticket or results in somebody getting a ticket for sleeping in public when they don't have anywhere else to go, you have an Eighth Amendment problem. So that's what the courts have said, and that's what um, cities in the Western United States are trying to navigate. Um, it doesn't mean that you can never cite somebody. It doesn't mean that you couldn't potentially cite somebody for violating your reasonable time, place, or manner regulations, but it means you can't cite everybody every time for every potential violation of your camping code. And the impact of that means that you've got to be thoughtful about drafting regulations that have the appropriate kind of enforcement safeguards and mechanisms um, built into them. And it also means for community members and in any community that are concerned about this issue that cities probably can't completely eliminate 
camping and living in public places until and unless they have a place for every single person to go. I, I don't know of any city that can say that. Um, maybe right. some cities can. Um, and, and maybe in some cases, cities used to be able to say that, but we have seen an increase in the number of unsheltered people that has outpaced the capacity of available shelter. So that's that's where we are. Right. And that that moves well into my next question that I was going to ask you, which deals with enforcement, because I think that's what a lot of people are curious about as well. So um, we develop the code and then people want to see that code enforced. So um, what will that look like? But you also mentioned a big sticking point in that we need to provide enough shelter beds for people to utilize first. Yes. And, and this gets a little bit, I think it can seem a little bit complicated in that you know, what Bend is looking to do and what other cities do, and, and the city of Boise is a good example of this. So since they've actually adopted their code and we haven't yet, we, we don't really know exactly what we're going to end up with because we're working through the process. So I'll talk about Boise. What Boise has is they have a, a code, again, their city of Boise municipal code that effectively says you can't camp in public places. People can't live in public places. They can't live on sidewalks. They can't live in rights away. They can't live in streets. But their code also says, um, a person can only be cited. In other words, they get a citation. Somebody writes them a ticket. A person can only be cited for violating this code if uh, they have shelter available to them. And Boise's code describes and defines what that means. And there are, there are all sorts of reasons why enforcement folks or a city might consider shelter available or not available to an individual and what what it really means is that uh, only if some only if that enforcement person determines that that this individual has somewhere to go they actually have a choice they could be let's say inside at this space or they could be outside camping in this park for example only if only if they conclude that this person has a choice and they've chosen to not be in the inside space and they've chosen to be in the public space can uh, can you write them a ticket? So that's what the cases tell us. And whatever we end up with um, in terms of a code and bend, it's I'll say highly likely that we will build in that individualized assessment as part of enforcement into our code because essentially the cases say you have to. And this is something that other cities, e even cities and states that aren't Oregon like Boise mm -hmm. are including. So that's that's kind of how enforcement has to work. Thank you so much for joining me and I appreciate you taking the time. Yep, my pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much to Ian and Counselor Perkins for joining us on the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the development of the Camping Code and stay up to date on how you can provide input, head to bendoregon.gov slash camping dash code. Thank you for tuning into Inside Bend. If you enjoy listening, don't forget to subscribe and you can check back each month for new episodes. And also a very special thank you to the Pitchfork Revolution for providing us with this music.